you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. He says, and lest I should be, I'm in verse 7. He says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. This thorn in the flesh here, some have thought maybe it could be a physical element, it could be his eyes or something, and others have thought that it indicates that it's the struggle that he's gone through continually dealing with the enemy and the attacks on his life and representative of the attacks on Israel. Um, and with that in mind and the attacks on the, our lives, sometimes it is tough living for God. But this passage says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Lord Jesus, you see this church. You see all the saints of the church of Omaha. ask you to touch God and speak and encourage and strengthen and draw us closer to you and bring us into greater revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I got several stories today that um, I would like to highlight and bring out. We won't dissect them and tear them apart and keep you here forever. But uh, I uh, uh, was traveling here again. It so happened into the book of Luke. And I know a few weeks ago I, we did a travel through the book of Luke and we talked about prayer. Um, but several stories in, in the book of Luke stood out at me. And Luke chapter 9, verses 37 through 42, I think I'll highlight there. But Jesus had been on the mountain, the mountain of transfiguration. Probably it was Mount Hermon. And Jesus had been up there with Peter, James, and John. And He had unveiled Himself to them. They, they saw Him in His shining glory. And one day you're going to see Him in His shining glory. And they were amazed by it, and they were astounded, and they were taken back. And Peter's like, well, we need to make three tabernacles here. We need to make one for, for you and Moses and Elias. And, and, and he's like, what do we do here? And, and they had seen Jesus, and they caught a glimpse of his glory, just an unveiling of him. But when Jesus came back down the mountain with them, he put that back on. And, and why would Jesus do that? Why does he put a veil on? Why does he... Why does he seemingly do that to us in our lives, and we don't get to see Him in all His shininess. Well, they were taken aback, and I promise you, you would be taken back. And, and you might think, well, if I saw you in all your glory, my hurts and my pains, they wouldn't matter anymore. They, they, surely they would go away, God. I want you to know that your hurts and your pains and life down here matters to God. And He knows that they are there. And He doesn't even cover up your hurts and pains with his glory. I want to I kind of repeat that a little bit. God's glory, he wants to take his glory and heal your hurts and pains. God is not papering over your problems. 
So unless you would think, God is so great and I'm so little, I couldn't possibly share with Him my troubles. He says, I, he, he put Himself in position so that you would communicate and share with Him. We were talking a little bit earlier about this and before church and, and you have um, that, that picture of when He was on the road to Emmaus after He had been crucified and He rose again and the, the guys walking on the road there, they were troubled and they were stirred and they were taken aback and about all the goings on and, and Jesus is walking with them and He put Himself in a spot where they didn't recognize Him. Why? Because they begin to share. This is what I'm going through. This is what I feel like. And what did Jesus do? He began to share back. Oh, let me, let me take you through this word. And, 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 and can you imagine how it was for them? They're like, wow, wow, that, that's, that's doing something for me. Oh, isn't God great that He puts us in a spot where He can truly heal us with His word? And He began to share with them and expound. And, and they sat down to eat and now it was time and He broke the bread. He broke the bread, and as he broke that bread, and then he was disappeared out of their sight, they recognized him in that moment, and they said, did our hearts not burn within us? Well, they probably said it not quite so King James-like, but our hearts burned within us. And so Jesus, he puts it back on the veil, and he comes down off that mountain. And when he comes off that mountain, he encounters... A gentleman here. The crowds had gathered in. It says, when they came down, verse 37, now it happened on the next day when they came down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. And I can see this. I love the picture, the, the stories. And, and Jesus comes down. They have no idea what just went on up there. They have no idea what they missed out on or what they even weren't included in. But they knew Jesus was coming. And they're like, people, he's coming. Can't you hear it right now? Hey, folks, I see him. I see him. He's right there. Look at him. I see him up on the mountain. And the crowds are gathering in. And they're like, we're here to meet Jesus. And, and they're like, he, he does wondrous works. And he provides healing and deliverances. But now the crowd has all piled in. And, and you have this image of the crowd. And you have Jesus. And there's somebody back there in the crowd. A dad. And I just wonder if the dad that day was like, who's going to be the first to speak? I, I, you might feel like you're in the church house and you, you see the altar up here and, and you're like, who's, who's going to be the first one to go? Because, because I came today and I have a problem. I have a situation. And, 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 and they're back there in the crowd and finally this dad... He's tried before. He's met with the disciples before. And it says, Suddenly, a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him. And, suddenly cry, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Oh, I see him back there. And he's like, hold on. He, he's like, okay. And he gets a hold. He's pushing people aside. And he says, teacher or master, I've got a problem. And I need you to hear about it. It's my son. 
He didn't care anymore that somebody next to him might have been like, hold on a second, you let Jesus call on you. or hey, You need to be a little bit quiet here. He's like, I, I, I don't know what you were doing on the mountain a little bit ago, but I have a problem. You see, Jesus knew that he had a problem. And Jesus knew who he was going to meet that day. And Jesus came down that mountain and he saw that crowd. But it wasn't just a crowd. It was each person in that crowd. And who was going to be the one to cry out? We talked about this in last week in first half. We highlighted there's the need for the cry. The cry. And he cried out. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. Jesus rebuked the, the, the lack and the struggle of faith there. But, but yet in all that it said, and as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and gave him back to his father. Because there was a man that said, I don't care what happens today. He didn't really care if there was a rebuke of somebody's faith. He didn't care what it was going to look like. He had to have his child healed. And so if we backtrack just slightly in our chapters in Luke, and um, well, we'll go forward. We'll go forward to the next, to Luke chapter 8. Actually, it's backwards. I just wrote it forward. Luke chapter 8. You have the lady said she had a, a bleeding problem. She had a, a sore, a condition that wouldn't go away. We call her the woman with the issue of blood. And this woman had had this problem 12 years. And you know what she wasn't supposed to do? She was not supposed to be in a crowd. She wasn't supposed to touch people. Because when she encountered you, because of her condition... By the law, she was considered to make you unclean. And now you needed to go through a cleansing process. Her sin would rub off on you, so to speak. And, 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 and I really want to say her condition would rub off on you. But it was, I am too dirty to get to the place where Jesus could heal me. How am I going to touch and get a hold of what I need? And she had tried this physician and that physician. You might say... You could say, I tried this counselor and that counselor and, and I went that route and this route. And that day she said, okay, I think he might have the answer. And she began to push through the crowd. Oh, she didn't announce her condition. She just said, I got to get to him. And she pressed through and she touched him. And Jesus turns and he's like, who touched me? Ah, isn't it great? He's like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. You're not getting away with that one. So side little story, I had fruit at work. I traveled for two weeks. The fruit was buried under paper. Fruit flies came and covered the whole floor, like buzzing around. I came back to the building. People asked me, did, did you have fruit? I'm like, yeah, I don't got fruit. I don't have fruit. And, and they're like, oh, well, there's fruit flies. Are you sure? No, I don't have fruit. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wait a second. A memory leaked back. I'm like, I think I do. And I covered some paper. I'm like, oh, no, this is in bad shape. And I rushed to the restroom, and I buried it in the bottom of the trash can. And like always, I couldn't keep quiet. <laughs> so I go over to the one person that should keep quiet when I can't keep quiet. And I said, got something to tell you. And his head snapped up, and he goes, it was you, wasn't it? 
I said, you can't tell anybody. He says, oh, I'm telling. <laughs> I see Jesus there saying, <laughs> you thought you were going to get your healing and you were going to touch me, but you weren't going to rec be recognized. You thought you would just sneak through and nobody would know that you touched him along the way and that you broke protocol. And if I could just reach in and touch him, then I'll go home. But Jesus wanted to connect with her more than just in a healing. And he said, uh-uh, I'm not letting this stay quiet. Who touched me? Oh, church, Jesus wants you to go ahead and give him glory for the work he did in your life. Oh, he's calling you out. And he's saying, uh-huh, yes, you were the one that had a problem. But go ahead, you touched me. Hallelujah. Oh, it was your faith that made you whole. You don't have to be ashamed of your condition. You don't need to be ashamed where you came from. Because Jesus said, I took your problem and I put it on me. He was not ashamed to go to the cross for you. And you don't have to be ashamed of the conditions you came out of. But instead, you can bring them to him and give him glory. Hallelujah. So we have the woman with the issue of blood. Luke chapter 18, another story. We have this man on the roadside. He really should keep quiet. He's the blind man. He's the one that should leave Jesus alone. And, and the crowds are passing by. And it says, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho. They had a feast prepared for him. That a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing the multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Oh, you can see it. As soon as he understood, he's like, wait a second. That's the one I've heard about him. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before him before warned him that he should keep quiet. You can hear that. They warned him. Hey, buddy, listen here. You need to keep your mouth shut. But what did he do? They warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What would you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And he said it to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made thee whole. I could go through more stories. I could, I could um, cover, uncover. We could talk all day about stories of Jesus' healing and deliverance. In every situation... It was somebody who decided, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Jesus has what I need, and I'm going to encounter him. I had Zacchaeus there. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Zacchaeus had done wrong. People would have been out to kill Zacchaeus. If you could have got him in a crowd, they would have stuck a blade into his back. He was not a popular guy. But he decided there's something missing in my life. And he ran ahead and he climbed a tree. And Jesus found him in the tree. Oh, I can see it in his heart. Oh, if I could just see Jesus. Something's different about him. And salvation came to his house. People that were desperate to encounter Jesus. And they set their ego and themselves aside. You know, James, he was talking about some of this and, and he was talking about struggle and strife and, and going on and he, he said, hey, why don't you get your prayers answered? 
And he says, because you ask amiss and you fight with yourself and really you're full of yourself. He goes on and he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That thing that has drawn you over in your life and tied you up, and yes, you would like to have God take care of your situation, but you're kind of caught up maybe in the, the gossipy problem, whatever it is. Chaos, while it's not fun, kind of can be attractive. And we can get stuck in it. And he's like, hey, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Say no more of that. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. What do I see right here, you double-minded? It's submitting yourself to God. It's resisting the enemy. And it's just pouring yourself out and saying, Jesus I need your help. Does anybody need Jesus' help today? Could you just raise your hands up and just tell him, Jesus, I need you. I need you today. Oh, God, I want to get my eyes back on you. Lord, I want to stop seeing, oh, God, the things that people wronged me this way and they wronged me that way. And God, I want to get my attention back towards you. Lord, I want to stop blaming you for my problem and seeing you as the one that can take care of my problem. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I see something here, and as I was thought on this topic, we started out with my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That strength being made perfect or that completion being made perfect in weakness. You know what I saw there with the man that had the child that had the problem? Would he have ever encountered Jesus in a real way that changed his life if he didn't have a problem? Would he have ever been willing to shout out in the crowd, Teacher, I need you to touch me. I implore you. I implore you. Would the woman with the issue of blood ever found herself in the crowd that day if she hadn't had, had 12 years of struggle? Would she have seen into Jesus everything He could be for her if she hadn't had a void in her life? Would the blind man on the roadside been willing to cry out and push past all the people who warned him to keep his mouth quiet if he hadn't been blind? Would he have ever encountered Jesus? If all those crowds of people that had ailments and struggles didn't have those things, would they have been willing to follow Jesus? And would His teaching have come out? And would we have really known about Him today if there hadn't been people with a problem? If they didn't have some sort of imperfection, some sort of thing that, that they needed to overcome, would they have ever known God in His great glory? Would there have been 120 that found themselves in an upper room? Would there have been 3,000 that said, if there had not been people that had, been, had crucified Jesus, would they have stood there with Peter and said, what must we do to be saved? You see your imperfection and your struggle and your condition, when you get desperate enough, it brings you to Christ. 
And in your, your weakness, He's able now to step in and do something He could never do until you gave it to Him. You see, you made Him perfect in your weakness. Oh, he, you had your problem. But until you brought it to Jesus... He wasn't taking care of that. There was a void over here. There was an emptiness. There was a pain from the past. There was some sort of abuse that you went through. It was an empty thing. But when you were willing to come to Jesus and to cry out, suddenly that strength that had gone unused was able to be put into action. And He reached down and he delivered and he healed. Has anybody ever been delivered and healed by Jesus Christ? Oh, give him some worship and give him some love. Hallelujah. Oh, he's a great God and a mighty God. So that circles us back to Paul who made that statement. For when I... Strength is made perfect in weakness. We circle back to him. Why? Because Paul here had gone through a lot of struggle. You know, Paul was the one, first off, he consented to Stephen's death. When you look at that, he was like arranging it, orchestrating it. He had a man murdered, killed. That blows my mind a little bit. Because God said, okay, I'm going to have you write most of the New Testament. I'm going to have you deliver this gospel in a way nobody thought it would be delivered. And you're like, you look at your own lives and how and people that you would discount in your lives because of they committed this sin or that sin, and, and yet God sees deeper than that. Paul had such awesome encounters. God struck him down on the road and and, and he and he was blinded by it, but he saw Jesus. He literally saw Jesus and he said, Who are you, Lord? And Yahweh says, I'm Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. He had a revelation moment. Right before this, it talks about him being taken up into the third heaven and, and seeing great revelation. And Paul had been the one that cast the devil out of that lady that was following him, and they threw him in prison. They're like, well, where did that miracle get you? He sang at midnight, and the place was shaken. He's the one that was preaching and teaching, and he went a lot more hours than I'll go, I promise you. And a gentleman fell out of the window and died. We don't have a second-story balcony. Um, but if I see anybody leaning over and sleeping, if we did, that would pull them back. And he went down and he prayed for them. And they were brought back to life. Paul had gone through so much and seen so much. Been in a, eventually you'll find him in a shipwreck and, and God delivers him and a snake bites and it's poisonous and nothing happens and, and God worked in his life. And yet Paul here tells us, I had struggle that God didn't take care of. See, people in that day, they would go to their temples and they would give glory to their gods when their gods delivered them. Quote. Not for real, right? And so they would say, they would exalt their God because their God carried us through battle or their God healed me of my sickness and in, in the Old Testament, when you read the Psalms, we, we have in there examples of God, when you deliver me, I'll praise you. And that's a, that's a true thing. God, I'm going to praise you. I'm letting you know that I'm going to testify of you and I'm giving you glory. Why? Because I trust you now. But Paul here is writing about his struggle and 
he's writing about the difficulties. You see, he had somebody that had even come when he started to write this that had made accusation against him, tried to tear him down in the church of Corinth. Paul had rebuked him. He had, he'd gone back to the church and written him a letter. And, and now he's telling them, he's saying, hold on, you know what, guys? I've been through a lot of struggle. I've been down and I've been out. And, and I've been beaten and, I, and I've been through shipwreck. And, and I've gone through a lot of things here. But I want you to know that I still live for God. It really doesn't matter what I've been through. It doesn't matter about how great things have been or how terrible they've been. Oh, this is where this whole weakness comes from. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. A thorn in my flesh was given me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to be bringing this to a close soon. But I've brought to you all the people who had a problem that God took care of. And now I bring to you a man who had many situations that God took care of. But then he says, I have some things in my life. Maybe people would even look at and say, he has no business being in charge. Why do you listen to the Apostle Paul? But I want you to know that God is still my God, even when I have a problem. God is still my God, even when he says that thing, you're going to have forever. You know, some of us have some marks in our lives and, and, and they're in our lives and they're, some of them are the result of sin and some of them are not the result of sin. Some of them are marks that carry over from our parents and maybe our grandparents. And, and I want you to be able to know right now that you can have peace in the middle of that mark in your life. You could have that so-called birthmark on the side of your face. And you could either look at that thing with shame and say, why didn't God take care of it? Why do I have to look in the mirror every day and see this thing? Or you could say, you know what? God has me. And I might get buffeted by Satan. And life might be a struggle. But I'm not walking out on God because His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Oh yes, give Him a hand clap. Give Him some love. Give Him some glory. Oh, Paul takes it a little step further. He says, therefore, most gladly I, would, I will rather boast in my affirmities. Oh, he's stepping out there and saying, listen to me, devils. I would rather boast in my affirmities. Oh, the enemy likes to come and say, why didn't you ever get that healing? Oh, why hasn't that situation been taken care of in your family? Oh, why do you still seem, you go through the days and then this thing comes back and hits you. And you're like, wait a second, I thought we took care of it. And you know what? That may get taken care of yet today at the altar. Go ahead and tell him about it. But hear me. You want to hear me, devils of hell? I'm not going anywhere because I'm going to go ahead and glory in my affirmities. I'm giving Jesus glory. I will rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I will take pleasure in affirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. 
For when I am weak, then I am strong. Could we go ahead and stand to our feet? Previously in this chapter, the Apostle Paul, this theme runs through here, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, we're just humans to start with. None of you are walking around encrusted in diamonds. None of you have a head that's made out of gold. None of you can step back and say, oh, but you're made out of dirt. You're made out of dust. And yet the creator of the universe, the one that purchased you, the one who has all glory, the one who has everything, said, I live in you. Hallelujah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. I don't know if anyone can relate to this next, this next verse here, but it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Is there anybody who's gone through a struggle? I want you to tell Jesus today I'm not going anywhere. If you could close your eyes throughout this place and before we begin to pray, I want you to know this front, this altar is open. And so as you're praying, if you decide you want to make your way up here, I, I want you in your prayer to bring your problem. I want you to bring your struggle. But first, I want you to tell Jesus I'm not going anywhere. Jesus... I'm not going anywhere because it's been in my struggles that I found you. Oh, like the Apostle Paul, it's through the struggle that I can now testify of your greatness. Because in my weakness, you're made perfect. Oh, your strength is made complete when I bring you into the void of my life. Oh God, I was without peace. And I was tormented. But when I brought to you my mental struggle and I lifted my hands up to you, you came in and you touched my mind and you healed me, oh God. And I might still be in the middle of a storm, but I have a peace in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead and lift your hands across this place. But go ahead and close your eyes. I want somebody to make his strength perfect today. Oh, bring glory to God today. Hallelujah. Can we all just begin to talk to Him? Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours, Jesus. I want to thank you for every trial you brought me through. I want to thank you for every valley you brought me through. I want to thank you for every mountain you brought me over. I want to thank you for everything that I've been buffeted by. I want to thank you, God, for every moment of depression that I had. I want to thank you for every time that I wondered where you were at. Oh, God, thank you because you revealed yourself to me and your strength has been made perfect in my weakness. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You know, I feel one thing right now. I'm going to pray for God's healing in your mind throughout this place. Jesus, you see every vessel. You see every person. And you see every struggle they've gone through. There are some, God, that you're waiting to heal today. And there's some that you're walking through the struggle with. But I pray your healing and your keeping right now throughout this audience, oh God. Be released in the name of Jesus. As they reach out towards you, I pray that they would receive you. Oh God, in your power and your healing, your deliverance and your keeping. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's go ahead and worship him.